The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we told the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. And today we're going to hear about how we use new technology to build stronger relationships between brand and consumer. Joining us is a good buddy, Matt Wurst, who's the CMO co-founder at Mint, which is a white label technology solution for brands, agencies, publishers, and platforms to get started with digital tokens, NFTs, Web 3.0, engagement models. Mint provides a single seamless ecosystem for brands to mint and distribute, sell digital tokens that engage consumers in meaningful customer experiences. Matt does it all. And uh, he's kind of been labeled the Web 3.0 guy, but I, I know he hates that. But uh, he's all the newest stuff and he simplifies this for us marketers to understand, which I freaking love. So again, uh, Matt and I are going to discuss how we use new technology to build strong relationships between brand and consumer. All right, Matty, what's up, bro? Scott, good to hear you. It's nice to be connected with you. And thank you for that very long-winded intro. But you're right. The goal really is to simplify this entire evolution of our industry and make it as seamless and as simplified as possible. A lot of times, marketers, we try to complicate things and then we use acronyms to complicate things even more. And what I love is every time we've had a conversation, you make it so simple And I think you have a strong point of view. I was at a conference in New York. We were at a brand innovators conference. And uh, what I love is you said a lot of like, I think we were on, I was on a panel and I was in a battle with somebody or saying something that was different from somebody else. And the point of the story, you know, the point of the story is right off the panel, you and I talked and, and people were saying like they were putting web 3.0 into all one category. And you and I both were like, that's completely bullshit. Like blockchain and crypto and metaverse, like they're all different things and they're all different ways to engage audiences. And I think one of the big point of views I got from you was the fact that like, let's just talk about one thing individually first, right? Like NFTs, like NFTs are great for loyalty as an example. And you have great NFTs examples, metaverse and a sponsorship inside roadblocks and a metaverse deal. It could be something different or metaverse could be augmented reality on your phone. So can you, can you help us break down the web 3.0 a little bit? Yeah, I mean, for me, I like to start out by saying that Web3 is really just the next generation of digital content and community building and brand engagement. And if you trace back this history of an evolution from what we now call Web 1.0, where publishers and brands were the creators putting content online for others to consume, it was a little bit more one-dimensional. But the novelty was being able to 
view and consume content, reference materials, news, sports scores. You didn't have to wait for the newspaper from the night before to the next morning, right? And the messaging was very much kind of in a peer-to-peer model. And this is going back 20, 25 years. The first big shift happened with what we now call as Web 2.0. And that was the rise of social media platforms 15 or so years ago, where the masses became the creators. You have Wikipedia entries and Amazon product reviews and blog posts and YouTube. And the communities were really multi-directional conversation and collaboration. And we don't look back on it and be like, oh, it was all one thing. It was all just social. No, it was a very much organized and then ultimately disorganized model for how data and content and communication took place. But the biggest flaw that really emerged out of that was trust. We put our trust in these huge platforms not to abuse their power as they grew. And Web3 grew out of that because some didn't trust them. And it was about then re-decentralizing that early version of the internet. New open technology that's verifiable and permissionless and built on blockchain technology. And really at the heart of Web3, whatever that means to you, is blockchain technology unlocking new value exchanges, new business models, systems that don't rely on corporations or governments or banks to make the right decision for us. But we can now take greater ownership of that content, of that data, and for marketers, of a relationship with the consumer. So the key for me is education, what we're talking about here. Um, Not getting caught up in distraction about metaverse or crypto and things that may not necessarily be as effective for marketers as tools yet, but then at the end of the day, the right type of execution, which is defining that value exchange and creating a line set of incentives between brand and consumer. I love that. Yeah, I think as again, you and I've talked and I've gone to these different metaverse conferences and breakout sessions. And I think understanding kind of short, mid, long-term goals and short-term could be easy loyalty, NFT token kind of things, which you and I've talked about for brands. And I definitely want to talk about that more, but also understanding the long-term play and phases that we're going to go through with Web 3.0. And that includes maybe Zoom meetings or metaverse meetings or something in the Swiss Alps or something like that. Do you have like a breakdown of like kind of short term, what should we be looking for? And maybe examples of things you're doing with brands and then maybe midterm, long term that can help. Maybe that's a good way to look at it and good way to start. I don't know. Yeah. So we're beginning what I call the second phase of tokenization. The first was crypto becoming an alternative asset class on the blockchain for decentralized finance, which for me was interesting, but not really an opportunity for marketers in any significant way. But blockchain adoption grew and accelerated over the last few years because of that. And then many initial NFT creator projects tied two types of tokens together that were built on the blockchain and in these marketplaces for exchange. There were early NFT success projects that were rooted in collectability and speculation and even in some cases, borrowed relevance. You have these blue chip projects like CryptoPunks and Bored Apes and a brief gold rush ensued, but that has since fizzled out. And a lot of us predict... And and that's where you have like like guys like Jake Paul buying crypto JPEGs for like 400,000. Art as a collectible is always going to be intriguing for people. I have art on my wall. I don't look at it and be like, 
what does that do for us? I mean, I yeah. smile when I look at that art, but I'm not getting anything of real value out of it other than the emotional and spiritual and maybe reminding my wife and, and I that we need to dust the top of the art every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but people are fixated on that and the news are, and people talk about that, but the, the brand application is more like a loyalty token. Yeah, we saw in that first phase some established brands and IP rights holders who were leveraging the new opportunities to engage and then experience something new with the community, whether you're partnering with a Web3 creator, like an artist, or even the NBA or Star Wars, who are playing off of the desirability of their collectability. But we've moved into NFT 2.0. And while it's still early, brands are dipping their toes in the water, they're experimenting, but they're putting real strategic frameworks in place. And we're slowing down. And branded activations can and should consider how we offer fans and users and consumers more than just colorful art and cash grabs. We're learning from some of the successes of those early projects, behaviors like gamification and play to earn or blank to earn, listen to earn, you know, drink beer to earn, whatever it may be. But we're creating tokens now, NFTs or tokens as keys to accessing experiences, as rewards for participation. They can be bought, they can be sold, but more often than not now, they're going to be earned or given away and claimed for free. Could you give me like a brand example? Uh, Yeah, I'll give you a few because we've seen some of the biggest brands in the world now dipping their toes in the water and creating something of value. We happen to be working with Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light, and their partnership with the NFL where We've created with our agency partners a really interesting incentive program tied to basic gamification and collectability. So you have the opportunity to go on BudLight.com and purchase a token that is tied to and looks like a can, but branded with your favorite NFL team. And that's a collectible. You can hold on to that forever. You can buy and sell and trade that on exchanges. But really, it's a ticket to play a game. And that game is a fantasy survivor-like game where the longer you go, the better the prizes you get. Now, this campaign repeats engagement every week for those who are participating. It's created connection between Bud Light and the NFL and NFL fans. It will reward loyalty and engagement with prizes of greater value than anything that people have put in, whether it's merch or tickets or free beer for a year or getting on the field at the Super Bowl, right? All that needs to be defined. And that's part of the strategic execution that I'm talking about. But really, at the end of the day, the collectible itself is just the beginning. It unlocks content. It provides access to community experience. We can even token gate and token enable commerce, where if you hold certain things that you've earned or bought or collected, you might be the only one who can get into purchasing something. And that's both a flex and a status play But there's real value in owning something that others don't or participating in conversations and providing feedback to others. And that's where we're starting to see real loyalty as a supercharged program leveraging NFTs to build long-term customer lifetime value Mm -hmm. or average order value. We know that Starbucks is moving its entire loyalty program onto the blockchain. And they're doing it in a smart way. They're not telling people that these are NFTs, but the points that you've collected in your app for buying and drinking their product or going to their stores and restaurants, those will have liquidity, no pun intended, on the blockchain. And as they develop a long-term strategy for how those can be interoperable with partners or 
the individual consumer can set the rules of engagement, that's incredibly powerful and it can only be done through blockchain authentication and validation. It's like, I remember when McDonald's Monopoly was like a huge thing as a, as a loyalty. It's, it's that with the use of NFTs that is using obviously blockchain technology. Yeah, that's a great example. And I loved McDonald's Monopoly. I was just in London and they actually let you play Monopoly in real life and has food. It's, it's actually a really incredible experience. But the gamification behaviors that we're all used to, which is collect to earn, play to earn, eat french fries to earn, that got you the game pieces. But now what if you have Park Place? You can now go on a secondary marketplace that is blockchain enabled where McDonald's gets some royalties, maybe Monopoly gets some royalties, but we can engage in peer-to-peer transactions so that I will pay whatever the market demands in order to get that prize. And what's cool, this is a little plug for your company, but you you simplify the process, whether you're agency or brand, and you work with both, a lot of agencies where, okay, how do we get in the planning stage of thinking about how do we engage our existing loyal customers? And then how do we get those fringe customers to be loyal customers? And how do we use companies like yours to take us through that process and mint tokens for gamification? Yeah, we want to remove the barriers to entry as much as possible. Part of that is that education. But we have removed the need for crypto. We have removed the need to have a wallet and connect all of those complicated experiences in order to get into the ecosystem. From minting to distribution, again, whether that's sale or just literally a one-click, put your email address in and we'll send you an NFT. We are removing those barriers, but we're starting to see real intellectual property developed into content and community and commerce in ways that remind me of multiple phases of marketing evolution. But what it really shows more than anything, whether you're on the agency side, the brand side, or even the tech side, is that marketing 101 rules of engagement have not changed. We need to evaluate or reevaluate our brand and our strategic priorities. We need to reimagine the fan value exchange and reduce those barriers to entry. But that flywheel of marketing starts with insights and data, strategy, Mm -hmm. content, communicating it through the right channels, measure and optimize. That's no different, whether it's a standalone tokenized project or this is something that fits into the broader marketing and media mix. We know this. The tools are actually easier. The data is better. But we want to put the owned and operated experience back in the hands of the brand and not rely just on now social platforms or influencers or paid media, but use those. It's not replacing those. It's just using those as triggers to bring people, fans, consumers back to an environment that the brand has a bit more control and ownership of. So when we talk about decentralization, this is giving ownership back to the brands in a way that Maybe we can call it Web 2.5 or maybe we're on the path yeah, to Web yeah. 3. But yep. you know, it's, it's not like the brands that are publicly traded, huge enterprise corporations are giving away ownership of the company. But if they can give something that the fan wants, a token that can create experiences, then we're starting to see even more engagement. That's really cool. No, that makes a ton of sense to me. Again, you can tell you're such an agency guy in, in terms of hitting 
back to is that a compliment or I don't know. No, I think it is. It's a huge compliment. Anybody that goes, you know, I'm so biased. Anyone that starts agency side then goes brand side. I'm like, okay, you understand my world a little bit. I understand your world a little bit. And same tech platforms. Understand the the strategy side of like. I think a lot of times people are just trying to sell different platforms or different solutions. And we need to be thinking about how does this fit into strategy within my customer base? And there's different tools for different things. Yeah, ultimately, that marketing playbook will reveal as we build it out together, brand agency technology and the holy trinity of marketing religion here. But the most underrated requirement, I think, for success isn't really our tech. We've made that simple and it's going to scale. We know that the digital platforms like Meta and Snap and TikTok are building token-gated and token-enabled worlds. We've partnered with Shopify to make the purchase process easier. We can actually enable artists to sell, like music musicians, within their Spotify page. They can easily distribute and sell tokens. But the most underrated requirement for success is having a smart, effective communication strategy. How do you mm-hmm. reach the right people with this message that this is something of value? It can grow over time and we can use this as a segmentation tool. Maybe it starts with that upper top of the pyramid, most engaged and loyal advocates, but it's going to trickle down as the technology becomes more adopted via mainstreamification. Starbucks is going to help bringing a billion people in. But there's also an idea that like repositioning those owned and operated assets in a way that gives value to the people who come to your website, that's a CRM play. Right, You're building the long-term relationship. Yes, NFTs are the new means of digital value exchange and are going to unlock brand experiences. Yes, they are cultural artifacts, but they are the future of loyalty and community in an increasingly tokenized world where you're now a minority investor in the brand and its future success. Hmm. And I think where there's so much noise in advertising, there's a reason why mid-large super large brands understand how to monetize owned more. And as as social platforms push down level of engagement, and as email open rates get lower and lower, finding ways to use technology for your owned audience, um, which is why collaborations, I think, are so big too, because you're, you're leveraging two players' owned audiences. So again, I, I love what you do in terms of helping us navigate through some of these technologies. I have so much to tease for the next episode, but we're going to stop it right here. And we're going to tease that we're going to talk about some other brands doing it well. And I have this new thing I've been doing that I'm totally ripping off from Gary. We're going to cliffhanger people because I'm going to have you back tomorrow, which is really today because that's how we record a podcast two in one day. And then we'll act like they're day after day. But that does wrap up the episode with Matt Worst from Mint. Tomorrow, we're going to discuss how he and his company are leveraging Mars in Web 3.0. I think he said the pet food division. So tomorrow we're going to talk about Mars. We talked about Budweiser Day. And I'm going to go through undervalued, overvalued, all the things Web 3.0. So tune in tomorrow, same time, same channel. Okay, that wraps up the episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Thanks to Matt Wurst, CMO, co-founder at Mint for joining us. In part two of this interview, we'll publish tomorrow. Matt and I are going to discuss how brands like Mars are using Web 3.0. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to hear more about Matt, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is mwurst, and that's W-U-R-S-T, or visit him at the company website at mint.store. 
Just one link in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, head over to rebrandpod.com. We'll have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter, or if you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be a guest speaker at the Rebrand Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle on Instagram is Scott Harkey or on Twitter at SharkyAZ. If you haven't subscribed yet and want daily screen of marketing campaign brilliance in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be right back in the feed the next business day. That's it for today. And next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. Thank you.